didn't look for the page. Sorry, I didn't look for the page in the few Bibles. Anyway, Mark 6, Mark 6, 30 to 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot all from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to get to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Jesus then directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Marilyn. Here we are again in the Gospel of Mark. I would encourage you to keep your Bible open to this chapter. Let's pause and ask for God's help. Holy Spirit, move among us through your word. Enlighten our minds, open our ears. Shine the spotlight on Jesus and let us see him more clearly. And it's in his name we pray, amen. How many of you have heard this story before? Sunday school, a sermon. I learned this week that the feeding of the 5,000 is the only one of Jesus' miracles in all four of the Gospels. The only one. Because, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke share a lot in common, and then John has many things that are not in the other three. But in all four is the feeding of the 5,000, which should tell us that this is really important, that the early church saw something in this story and said people need to understand what this says about Jesus. What are we supposed to learn from it? Sometimes the main thing people talk about is, well, how did Jesus do it? How did he multiply all that food? And, and what were the mechanics of that miracle? And maybe, maybe it didn't actually happen. Maybe it's more of a metaphor for people sharing what they had. Some more liberal scholars have said that because, of course, miraculous things don't happen, right? But interestingly, Mark does not focus at all on the mechanics of the miracle or explaining what hap- how it happened. Instead, the point is what the miracle shows about who Jesus is. And to boil it down in one sentence, I would say this. When Jesus is our shepherd, we lack nothing. 
When Jesus is our shepherd, we lack nothing. I don't know about you, but I often live in a state of lack. I feel like there's not enough. There's not enough of me to go around. There's not enough time. There's not enough energy. There's not enough money. There's not enough whatever. But with Jesus, there is enough. There's more than enough. So this message is for people like you and me who feel like they aren't enough. It's for parents or teachers who feel like there's not enough of them to go around or not enough hours in the day. It's for healthcare workers who are overwhelmed by the needs and you think, what can I do? It's for people who don't earn quite enough money to pay the bills and you wonder, can I just have enough? It's for the older person who feels like you don't have the energy or the capacity to do the things you want to do. This message is for people who are exhausted, overwhelmed, tapped out, discouraged, dried up, or scraping by. Did I miss anyone? (laughs) Because with Jesus, there's always enough. We're going to take this story in a two-part process. First, we'll see in verses 31 through 34 how Jesus is presented as the good shepherd and what that means. And then in verses 35 through 44, we'll see how Jesus takes our not enough and makes it more than enough. Okay, let's go. Verses 31 through 34, the disciples have just gotten back from a, an extended ministry tour, which we read about in early chapter 6, um, preaching, healing, teaching, traveling, and they've, got, they've gotten back to Jesus. They're excited about what has happened, but they are exhausted. To make matters worse, they've gained so much popularity along with Jesus that people keep flocking to them and pressing around them. And it says there was not even enough time for them to stop and eat. So Jesus, as their good shepherd, says, come away with me to a quiet place to get some rest. Because he cares about their well-being. Well, they get in the boat and they cross the lake to get away from the crowd. But ironically, when they get to the other side, there's an even bigger crowd waiting for them. You can imagine as the disciples were in the boat getting closer and they see this multitude on the shore. They're like, oh no, can't they just leave us alone for one day? So much for a rest. At least we had a two-hour boat ride to put our feet up. People, it said people have, the text says that people had seen them crossing and spread the word and ran to the other side of the lake from all the towns over there to meet Jesus. So there they are. Jesus does not seem put out that people want more of him. Verse 34 is the key verse for us in this half of the message, which says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And the Gospel of Matthew in the same account says that Jesus was also healing people. 
What does it mean that they were like sheep without a shepherd? Well, when the Bible compares people to sheep, um, it's not a favorable comparison. (laughs) A man named Philip Keller uh, wrote a little book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. This man had been a shepherd for eight years full time, and then he um, became a pastor, and he wrote a book about his experiences as a shepherd and how they made the scriptures come to life. Here are some of the things he noted. Some of his, some of his sheep would drink from a muddy, manure-filled, urine-filled pool right next to a clear stream. <laughs> uh, one of his sheep would always find a way through the fence to the grass on the other side, even though that grass was dry and brown and his grass was green. Uh, one, a few of his sheep would become domineering and aggressive and bully the others, and he would have to step in and, and separate them. Sometimes a sheep would, would tip itself over and try to, try to right itself, but only get more stuck with its feet in the air, which would then suppress the blood circulation. And within a couple hours, the sheep would perish in the hot sun unless the shepherd found him and, and righted him up and massaged his legs. Um, sheep without a shepherd are doomed. That's the point. They, they need someone to protect them and guide them and make sure they have water and thing, food to eat and safety from predators. And Jesus saw that the people in this crowd were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, in the Old Testament, a shepherd was a metaphor for a leader whether a king or a spiritual leader. King David was called the shepherd of Israel. Um, Priests were supposed to be shepherds who tended the flock and fed them spiritual food. But unfortunately, right now in, in this time in Israel, the king, Herod, who's supposed to be leading them wisely, is a, is a petty, immoral tyrant, only concerned about himself. And the priests who are supposed to be teaching the people God's life-giving word are leading them astray and um, uh, making extra laws to heap on people's backs. Jesus sees these people and has compassion on them. So he begins teaching them, giving them food for their soul. He is the good shepherd. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10, Jesus says in so many words, I am the good shepherd. It's me. I am the king. I am the leader. I am the spiritual guide that you need. And that is still true. There is no one else, including yourself, who can lead and care for your life as well as Jesus can. His leadership is wise His arms are strong. His care, his heart is good. So I want to pause and ask, what do you need right now from the good shepherd? Do you need rest? Are you exhausted? Do you need him to lead you to a quiet place? Hopefully where there isn't 5,000 people waiting for you. But do you need rest for your soul? Jesus can give you that. Do you need guidance for decisions that you're facing in life? 
And it's so complex and confusing and, and you don't know which way to turn. Jesus can give you guidance. Do you need comfort? Are, are you wounded? Are you feeling um, scared or discouraged? Jesus can comfort you and put you, set you at peace in his presence. Do you need protection from some danger that you're facing? Jesus can protect you. Do you need him to become your shepherd? You've tried every other option, including being your own leader, and it hasn't worked out. You can simply say, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I need you to be my shepherd. Forgive my sin. Take control of my life. Save me. That's what it means to come to Christ. It's to say, you are in charge of my life, not me. And that's a good thing. Because Jesus is the good shepherd. Well, as we move on, we see how when Jesus is our shepherd, we lack nothing. There's more than enough. He takes our not enough and makes it more than enough. Verses 35 through 44 So there's this huge crowd out in the grass listening to Jesus. Picture the entire population of Georgia, which is about 5,000, sitting in the, standing in the the football field, uh, the, the soccer field up at the school, right? It's a lot of people, plus more uh, women and children who were there with them, though it was probably mostly men. <clears throat> and as the sun sinks lower on the horizon, the 12 disciples start to get worried because there's no town nearby, there's no restaurant, there's no catering business. Uh, they're, they, they don't have food. When Meg and I travel with the kids, we've learned the hard way that if we're out in the middle of nowhere and we've run out of snacks and there's no McDonald's or restaurant coming up, we could have a riot on our hands. <laughs> it's a bad situation. Amen. I hear that amen, Sarah. That's right. Nobody wants hangry kids or hangry parents for that matter. I wonder if the disciples were feeling that sense of panic. Like, ah, what's going to happen to this crowd if they don't have food soon? So they make a somewhat reasonable suggestion. Verse 36, Lord, uh, send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Now, there's probably not enough food around there for these people, but at least they won't be the disciples' problem anymore, right? Go away. Class is over. And then Jesus makes this incredible statement. You give them something to eat. (laughs) You give them something to eat. Now, don't forget, these guys have just been doing miracles in Jesus' name, teaching telling people to repent, preaching about the kingdom, driving out demons, healing the sick. And yet they don't seem to be thinking that that Jesus can do anything about this situation. They're focused on what they don't have. They're like, it would take uh, almost a year's, half a year's wages to feed all these people. We don't have any bread. Well, we have a little bit of bread. 
even if there was food to buy, even if there was food to buy, it would take like $30,000 to feed this crowd. There's a very interesting and helpful website I found this week called How Many Pizzas to Buy Calculator. And I calculated that it would take 2,000 large pizzas to feed 5,000 men with large appetites. So that's, that's a lot of food. How can, how can we just get that? We'd have to buy out every pizzeria in Franklin County if we wanted to feed that crowd. So faced with this impossible task, the disciples, all they see is what they lack. All they see is what they don't have. We don't have enough food. We don't have enough money. This isn't happening, right? But Jesus, look at what he says. In verse 38, he focuses on what they do have. How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. How many loaves do you have? Not what don't you have or what do we lack. How many loaves do you have? Well, they find someone who has five small loaves and two fish. We're talking loaves that were about as thick as your finger and as big around as a salad plate. So not like a giant loaf of bread that we're used to. So that may have been enough for two people to have a small meal. Probably someone's lunch. Definitely not enough. But in the hands of Jesus, our not enough becomes more than enough. It says, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up into heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the fish among them all. And that's all it says. Again, we're not given the mechanics of this miracle. We aren't told how the food appeared, but we do know two remarkable things. First of all, there was more than enough. It says at the end they picked up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Maybe that was Jesus' way of saying, you see, uh, one, for e- one basket uh, for each of you to carry when we're done. But equally amazing is how Jesus uses the hands of the disciples to do this miracle. The miracle is not complete until the disciples distribute the food, which must have taken a pretty long time. To, to do that, 12 guys to, to serve five, six, seven, eight thousand people, right? He could have just made the food appear in people's laps, right? He could have made it appear in their stomachs. He's God in the flesh. He can make something out of nothing. But he works through what the disciples have and through their touch and distribution. I find that so telling. That's how Jesus works. He is a Lord of abundance and he uses his people to abundantly provide with our not enough and turning it into more than enough. So what does this mean for us today? Well, first... If you have ever felt like you do not have what it takes to meet the needs of people around you, 
You're right. You're right. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the multiplier. Jesus is the one we need. It's like in that, um, the, the safety talk they give when you get on an airplane. They say, make sure to put on your oxygen mask before helping others, right? We need to be connected to Jesus before he can take our not enough and multiply it. We need to be, you know, he is the vine, we are the branches. We need his life in us. We need to, to go to him. And then we can help others. Um, so when you place your life and your resources in his hands, there is abundance. Second, are you willing to give what you have in order to help others? Because sometimes God provides for his people through sacrificial giving. More than sometimes, often. Um, <clears throat> the church is meant to be a community of abundance where everyone's needs are met. In Acts 4.32 and following, we read this. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. So our church should be a place where everyone has enough because we all share. Now, theoretically, that happens through the, the deacons fund that our church, the deacons administer. We all give money to it when we're able. And then when anyone has a need, we give the supply. We also use it to help members of our community. But some of us probably would die before asking the church for help, right? Because we don't like to receive help. But just know that that's there. We want this to be a place of abundant provision for everyone. And maybe you've been given more than you need. You can help someone that has less than they need. Finally, Jesus is able to work in ways that we could never imagine. Never imagine or expect to create abundance. Maybe it's one little word that you speak that changes someone's life. Maybe it's one dollar that you give that in Jesus' power feeds a multitude. Maybe it's one prayer you pray in your, in your um, weakness that Jesus hears and answers in a dramatic way. Jesus can do the unthinkable, the unplanable, the unconceivable with the little that we have. So will you bring him the little that you have and say, this is all I've got, it's not much, but I put it in your hands. Will you do that? That's how Jesus works. We saw a Meg's parents last weekend. Some of you know them. And Meg's mom surely made a comment. I don't know what the context was, but talking about how when their second son was born, their older son is Lu uh, Ewan, their second one was Luke. When their second one was born, she was afraid that she wouldn't have enough love 
to give to her second son because she loved her first son so much, right? But she said, what I understand now is that the love just keeps growing and expanding and there's no limit to the love. (laughs) The more you have to love, the greater your capacity for love. And I share that because Jesus' love is the same way. I believe that the greatest thing that any of us can have or need or ask for is the love of Christ. And there is no limit to how many people that can feed, to how many souls he can save, to how many people he can heal and restore and draw into his love. In John 10, Jesus said, The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep because Jesus emptied himself, lost his own life to bring us forgiveness and grace and God's abundant new life in his kingdom. And there is no limit to the number of people that love can hold. I don't think it's an accident when Mark describes Jesus multiplying the loaves and fish. He uses the same words that Jesus says, well, where else? Where else does Jesus say something like, he gave thanks and broke the loaves and then he gave them to his disciples? At the Last Supper, Mark 14, 22, when they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body. Jesus is the true bread of the world. And he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for us, his sheep. We will never find a love as abundant as that. I want to close with a short prayer that Meg wrote to share this morning. She um, was going to be here to lead the prayer time, but she's home with Ewan who is sick. But she sent me this prayer and it was the perfect way to end this sermon. So, Please bow your head and pray with me. Father, we see great need around us and know we are unable to meet it all. It feels at times as though the needs in our families, our church, our community, and our world are overwhelming. We keep running into our own limits. We remember that you are unlimited. So what we have, we give you. We give you our time. We trust that there is enough time for what you call us to do. Use our hours and our days as you will. We give you our financial resources and our needs and the needs around us. Use all that we hold as you will. We give you our homes. Use them as you will. We give you our bodies, our energy, our desires. Do with us as you will. Multiply our offerings like you multiplied the loaves and fishes. Amen. Amen.